Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. Folks, we are here every Saturday afternoon. We've been for the last five years on AM Radio 1180 and the FYL right here at 1 p.m. on Saturday because you've identified us as an oasis of truth. Folks, a source for exactitude. You want a perspective you get here, you don't get anywhere else. So you tune in to us because you know we're looking out for you. You know we're going to bring it to you at the speed of sound, and we do. We do. We're going to talk a little bit about the Trump indictments, okay? We're going to talk a little bit about the no coincidence uh, that there's no coincidence that uh, Trump has the most partisan judge ever. We're talking a little bit about, you know, Trump pleading not guilty, okay? Well, that's that's no-brainer. He's going to do that. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, moving the venue and what they could do there. We want to get into, folks, as well, what's going on economically around this country. We're going to talk about that and, you know, how we have, you know, what incompetence looks like at the White House and, you know, go from there. So so let's jump right into it, folks, and thanks for being with us. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, again, Trump pleading not guilty, big surprise. I thought it was indictment was Jack Smith's indictment when he read it. I thought it was hilarious was he left out the parts of Trump's speech where Trump actually de- de- declared that he wanted everybody to protest peacefully, illegally. And I think, you know, he makes those comments and he makes that, but but he left that out. So he, he he literally used Trump's speech, but he left that out deliberately. I just think it's appalling that he did this. I mean, this is a political hit job. Uh, there is no question about it, and everybody sees it that way. Uh, you know, he uh, they basically uh, got him for a conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy against rights, whatever that means, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, an obstruction of an, or, of an attempt to obstruct, okay, an official proceeding. Uh, so here come the indictments. You know, they're there. And again, despite having lost a defendant, was uh, determined to stay in power, the document alleges. Okay, so they're saying, despite having lost, he wanted determined to stay in power. So we try to stay in power. Well, I'm not convinced you're going to be able to prove that he thinks that he lost. I think Trump could show that he thought he won. I mean, Trump's going to say, okay, I mean, Trump could actually re-litigate, if you will, call witnesses and everything else, subpoena witnesses and everything else. I mean, literally give vo- give voice to what happened. What's interesting is how the, the, the news media and how the fake news and social media and YouTube and everybody else was censoring everybody about this election integrity stuff and about the election fraud. They were censoring everybody left and right. Well, here's Trump going to get the big stage on this and he can subpoena people and actually put it all on trial which is really compelling. So you're going to have these people talk about the fraud that they found. He can actually talk about the fraud in the States. For instance, he could talk about the box of ballots. So literal, the box of ballots that came out from underneath the table in a Georgia county. He, he could talk about the fake fire drill, okay, that exited all Republican observers from the building. And then they pulled out the fake ballot. This is all on camera. They could show this. Okay, in a state that he lost by like ten thousand, well, they had a ballot, they had a box of ballots there that they threw in there. They were all for Biden. They just flooded the ballot box. They showed this. It was all on videotape. Okay, they actually showed people cheating and going to jail for it. That did hundreds and hundreds of ballots. Again, they, he can show all this. He can he can show this. These elections were determined by in Pennsylvania by less than eighty thousand votes and. In Michigan, by less than 40,000 votes. In Wisconsin, by less than 20,000 votes. In Georgia, by less than 15. And in Arizona, by less than 12. 
So the election was literally swayed by less than ten to 25,000 votes in most of these states. Certainly by less than 80,000 in all of these states. Like in Philadelphia County, where they had over 3 million ballots, okay, that were mailed out. I should say 3.1 million or 2.9 million mailed out and 3.3 million counted. They could show where we counted hundreds of thousands more ballots that were mailed out. That's a fact that they can show. But now he could call and subpoena people and pull all that information in. This can be proven. There was cheating that went on. He can prove that, for instance, in Philadelphia County, where they had all these ballots that were submitted, these mail-in ballots that were submitted, he can prove that there was no scrutiny at all by the observers on the ballots being processed correctly. For instance, again, a mail-in ballot here in Pennsylvania, you got to get certain signatures. You got to meet certain requirements to have those ballots be counted. Well, those requirements were being met. As a matter of fact, he can show that they only disqualified about 1% of all the mail-in ballots in Philadelphia County. And he could also easily prove that there was a lot of discrepancies from representing almost 20% of those ballots. Again, enough to sway the election? Absolutely. He can show that. I mean, we can show it here in Berks County, for crying out loud. We can show that they weren't following, they weren't, they weren't, I should say they, they weren't verifying signatures. They weren't. When you go vote in person right now, when I go vote in person in Berks County, I go vote. What happens is they go vote and they have these electronics, this, this electronic books that you sign your with your finger, okay, you sign your your name. So you're doing that over in the poll book. And then of course they're massing your signature with what they have on fire file, even if they know you, which is the case, they well, your signature doesn't match. Well, that's me. Well, yeah, I know who you are, but your signature doesn't match. I need you to verify it one more time. And then with your finger, you do it again. Of course, it's not gonna match. And as I say it to the guy. This happened to me personally. As I say to the person that's looking at me, he goes, well, he goes, I know who you are, but the signature's not matching. I said, listen to me. I'm going to give you my driver's license. Oh, I'm not asking you for the driver's license. So I'm going to give you my driver's license. So you can see I am who I claim to be. And I'm going to sign this again with my finger. And because I'm signing it with my finger, you can know that it will not match the signature that I use with a pen. That's on my driver's license. You can know that. So I did it again. Sure enough, didn't match. And I said, well, here's my driver's license. I expect to go vote now. And he gave me my, my ballot to go vote. But I was, I'm saying to him, I'm like, this is what's amazing is that you're checking my signature three times. But the mail-in ballots that come in, nobody checks that signature at all. There is no verification of a signature on a mail-in ballot. There isn't any. They're not comparing these signatures with driver's licenses. There's nobody doing that. Now, that's not happening in Pennsylvania, folks. So now you can know the mail-in ballots are not accurate. There's... That's right for, for cheating. It's it's a it's a breeding ground of bacteria for the cheating that goes on. And don't miss that. And this will be put on trial and, and Triple have an opportunity to be able to put this on trial all across this country as he's running and as he's putting this out there. He's gonna put the election systems on trial that look, we've been talking about on this show for the last three years. We've been talking about it on this show since the election in twenty twenty. Okay. We've been talking about on this show, and you've heard us say it on this show, that we believe the inaccuracies that occurred in 2020 were real inaccuracies that actually occurred. I believe Trump won Pennsylvania. I believe he won Michigan. He won Wisconsin. He won Georgia. And he won Arizona. And I believe he possibly even won Nevada, but certainly won the states in the electoral votes that he needed to win. He was he should be the president. But because these mail-in ballots were 
were being counted and they weren't being verified correctly, there's a real problem with it. Look, any election expert understands what election integrity is. What is election integrity? Election integrity is that people that are eligible to vote can vote and do vote once. It's also people who are not eligible to vote do not get to vote. And it's also, thirdly, people that vote incorrectly with a mail-in ballot, in other words, they don't follow the correct procedure on the mail-in part of the ballot, those votes don't count. It's as simple as that. They just don't count. So the whole point comes down to is that's the election integrity. And having integrity on your election system, which is what the state representatives are supposed to do. So they're going to have a hard time trying to show that Trump knew all along he lost. I don't believe he knew he lost. I don't. I believe as of right now, he believes he still won. As quite frankly, I believe he won. Okay, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I believe Trump won the election. And I think a lot of Americans believe he won the election. I believe that nobody, I think all of us, including myself, find it impossible to believe that 81 million Americans would vote for a dementia patient that didn't get out of his basement. I don't believe that happened. I don't believe that 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 Fetterman won his election. I don't believe it happened. I think the mail-in ballot fraud was rife there too. I think what Fetterman was amazing because what they did was they kept him out of the news. They actually staged the debate for two weeks before the election. So they actually had a debate two weeks before the election, but by then all the mail-in ballots were already in. So a lot of Democrats voted for a guy they didn't realize that had all this impairment due to a massive stroke. I think the same thing was for Biden. He had a bunch of people voted for the guy and said, oh my goodness, this guy can't even walk up a flight of stairs. Oh my goodness, this guy's falling asleep in the middle of a speech. Oh my goodness, what's going on here? Okay, this this guy can't figure out a ham sandwich, okay? I mean, this is the truth, though. But I mean, bottom line is, this is the latest fake case being brought in by crooked Joe Biden and a deranged Jack Smith is going to, it's going to, I think it could possibly be moved to an impartial venue. I think it's possible they could do that. But it's the third indictment against leading presidential candidate Trump. It, it's the third indictment of the guy deriving from the Smith probe. I just think it's, it's amazing. And Merrick Garland's No Justice Department, okay, is pursuing the case against Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents. It's another one. While the, while the Manhattan, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is pursuing him for state-level allegations against business, you know, business fraud. That's coming at him. So all this is coming on. This is what's happening right now. Folks, these people making a mockery of justice is really, a, it's a sad, sad day. A sad day. And it really is. I mean, look, we, we've got a, I think the U.S. Supreme Court needs to stop this unconstitutional prosecution. You know, I, I believe this is what's happening. I think Jack Smith is not a presidential appointee and he's using the indictments of Trump as a political weapon to tarnish Trump as a candidate. He's doing that deliberately. Okay, Jack Smith has asked federal judges in both the documents case filed in Miami and, the, and this January 6th case in Washington to carry out a speedy trial. He's asked them to make, move this forward fast. Okay, yeah, because this is seen to, de- because, you know, this is seen basically designed to affect Trump's chances in the upcoming elections and to divert Trump's time and money from campaigning to defending himself. Look, this is the kind of legal warfare against a presidential, against a, against a presidential or possible, if not likely, opponent to the to Biden himself. It's, it's not only unprecedented in our history, but it's it's also unprecedented in our republic, and it's going to destroy the electoral system of our of our system of our country. It can't. The U.S. Supreme Court's going to jump into this. They got to stop this from happening. 
you know, that's what's got to happen. They got to stop this from happening. You know, and, and I, I think they can move the venue. Maybe if they, they go this route, there's a possibility they can do this. But it really is. It's a, it's a sad day for America. It really, really is. Okay? It's a sad day for America. It's a persecution of a political opponent. that's never, ever supposed to happen in America. It's just not. It's just not. I'm just amazing that, that it's happening, okay? But anyway, I, I just think it's important to, to look at that. I wanted to also uh, jump into the... Uh, the basic, the, the jump into the the job numbers. I thought I thought it was interesting. Um, what you're going on right now? The, the debt ceiling. I thought I'm going to give our listeners a, I'm going to give our listeners ten points that they could figure out. There were our debt rating, our net, our debt credit rating has been downgraded only twice in American history. It just happened under O'Biden. But can we name the name? Can we name the president who was a pre, who was president at the time it happened for the first time? If you guess Barack Hussein Obama, you are correct. So on a Democrat, Barack Hussein, uh, Barack Hussein Obama and communist uh, Joe O'Biden, under these two presidents, we actually had our debt rating, a credit rating downgraded each time under each president. And it really is a wake-up call. And I want to talk a little bit about what the debt rating does, or the credit rating, I should say the credit rating does, or the debt rating does, when you downgrade now, what happens when you're downgraded? Now, you have different different agencies out there. You got Moody's, you got Fitch, you got Standard & Poor's. But the bottom line is we're, we're down to AA plus credit rating, okay? So the rating, you know, it's, you know they're downgrading the, the, the credit of the fiscal state of the nation. So it's, it's based on a country's current and forecasted fiscal status. It includes things such as debt to, to the GDP, so the ratio of debt to GDP and overall economic health to evaluate a country's ability to pay their debt. That's what it's about. So the debt held by the public, you know, back in 2008 was almost 40%, about 39%. Today, it's over 100%. And they expect it to go to 181% in 30 years. By 2028, it's going to be at about, by 2025, it's going to be about 118%. That's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. All right, so the debt to GDP is going to rise, and like I said, about 118% by 2025. And it's going to cause all kinds of problems on the horizon, okay? It's going to be, you know, because it just, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. And mandatory, and mandatory spending rules are what brings us out. But don't miss that either. Okay, so when you're looking at it, you're wondering, okay, so, you know, of course, you've got, you know, you got Janet Yellen and Biden. They're, they're downgrading the debt downgrade because they don't want to talk about it. They think, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big Well, it is a big deal. It is a very big deal. Okay, it's a very big deal because the consequences for high debt and the downgrades of the credit rating are real. It has, there's a real elevated risk of fiscal crisis. That's the truth. You know, it, it, this is a situation which which investors lose confidence in the U.S. government's ability to service and repay its debts. When that happens, it causes interest rates to increase abruptly and inflation to spiral upward. When borrowing costs throughout the cut that throughout the economy rise, okay, like when it costs more to borrow money. We can know that reducing private investment, slowing down the growth of economic output, it happens. How does that happen? Well, companies can't grow. They can't make investments. They can't buy new machinery, new buildings, expand. They can't do any of that, which means they can't hire people. So you have real problems. Countries, co- when companies can't grow economically, then, then you're going to have no jobs created. Okay, There's no growth. And of course, interest payments are going to crowd out other budget priorities such as national offense. That can happen. So when you're paying more interest, you don't have the money to pay for other things. Okay. 
So how we have to revive the U.S. government and basically our creditworthiness is to stop the spending. We need to stop the spending. We have to figure out that the spending right now is a real problem. We got to cut cut the spending out. Okay, you know, according to the Congressional Budget Office, each ten percentage point change in the federal government's debt to GDP ratio causes a quarter point change in interest rates on the debt, which raise future borrowing costs and slow down economic activity. So Congress has to use every opportunity to reduce the growth in government and control spending. That's what it is. They got to address the drivers of the debt. They got to that they have to address that. Okay, the underlying debt problem, all sides, we just, that people need to, we have to get people in Washington to understand that debt's a problem. You know, you actually have politicians that believe the debt isn't a problem. Yeah, we, that's right. We have politicians who believe debt is not a problem. So is that a surprise to people? When you've got politicians in Washington who believe men can have babies, you can expect them to believe something like that isn't, isn't being a problem. You can expect that. That's the truth of it. But we have that right now. The other solution is to just grow the economy. Economic growth is going to is an essential component to reducing the debt to GDP ratio. Again, one percent of GDP growth over ten years reduces deficit by three trillion. So when you're growing the deficit, when you're growing the when you're growing GDP by three to five percent, you're reducing the debt by definition by almost fifteen trillion dollars every ten years. That's that helps us raise our ratings, and we have to increase the GDP. We got to grow. You got to bring businesses back to this country. We got to grow the economy. Bottom line is that, you know, you want to fix the broken budget process, but you want to grow the economy. That's going to be the best solution, right? And that's what we have to do. And, and yeah, I think Trump will do that. But don't miss the idea on the debt itself. When, when you have people making public policy who can't make sense of anything, who think that open borders are okay, who have no border policy and homeland security, or who think that high gas prices are okay, who have no effective, efficient energy policy coming out of the Department of Energy. Who think that, you know, indicting a, a, a former president for feeble charges, okay, fake charges or whatever you want to call it, going after him on indictments, on cases that they know are not going to stick, okay, but they think that's a good idea from the No Justice Department, going after parents and school board meetings with threat tax, threatening them with threat tax, I mean, that's not the solution of the of the of the Department of No Justice. So when they these are the people, this is what kind of a, a no what kind of no justice comes out of the no justice department. When you put people like that in charge, you can guess that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna get a lot of it. Okay. When you put people in charge who, who believe it's you know, it's okay to have soft porn books, soft pornography books in, in, in children's libraries and in, in, in elementary schools, when you believe that's okay, then then these people when they when they're okay with that. Okay, you can believe they're going to have free bad public policy. You can believe that too. They've lost all sense of sensibility. You can know it, sir, folks. It happens every time. You can get the expected. When you put people in charge of a Ukrainian war, a Russian war, and when they watch the Ukrainians actually lose all their all their manpower, all their soldiers have been killed off. They had about 600,000 soldiers who were all dead. Okay. When you watch the fact that the Ukraine, the country of the Ukraine, which had 60 million people in 1990, which today has less than 20 million people, okay? When you see that, you realize they've lost the war. There's nothing to fight with. They don't have anybody to to, to fire the guns and fly the planes and drive the tanks. Yet, what are we doing? Putting guns over there, putting more tanks over there, more planes over there. 
So we're putting weaponry over there where the, when they don't have people to run it. This is the insanity of it. So the people, like I said to you, that are running this country, that are putting weaponry over there without people to run it, are the very people that are not going to settle for this war. They're just not going to settle it. They're going to, they're going to continue to they're going to continue to uh, perpetuate this war and, and try to and it, try to instigate a World War Three. Maybe I don't know what they're trying to do. What they're doing is 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 crazy. But this is what we got right now. These are the people that we've got right in the country. Okay. They believe that the Ukrainians need more weaponry when they don't have people to, to drive the tanks and fly the blades and fire the guns. They, they want to give them more weapons. Okay. Well, they believe that's the way to go. I don't. I think most fifth graders know it's not the way to go, too. Folks, what we're seeing all across the, the, the spectrum of government right now is really bad public policy. Okay. And I mean, we got a guy falling asleep in meetings with the Israeli prime minister. We got that happening. Really bad public policy and, and really really horrible uh, decisions that they're making on a global front. I mean, the, the our, our allies have lost all confidence in us. I mean, we are, you know, our economic enemies of the planet right now are seeing us as an unstable government. They're mocking us, okay? Our credit rating's dropping, and we got people that, that are saying it's no big deal. That's not a problem. I mean, these are the people running this country. Folks, we need a change, Okay. People that say that consumer the consumer confidence being at a two-year high is a good thing. I would simply say, well, consumer confidence at a two-year high, but at, at a near all a near all-time low is not a good thing. And that's the truth, folks. You can bang on Denver. Right now, consumer confidence is not high; it's down. You know, it was at its peak in the mid '80s. It was very high under Trump, and it's nowhere near any of that right now. It's at, it's at near record lows. I mean, it's not at record lows but it's it's bad and i mean our economy's shrinking our workforce is shrinking we know that too gas prices are out of control we got an out of control war in the ukraine we got out of control government spending okay uh we've got coke being stored at the white house we got you know people you know falling asleep in meetings. Uh, heads of state falling asleep in meetings i mean this is kind of the this is the the, the insanity that we're seeing right now on a global stage I mean, we're going to bring sanity back. Trump is going to bring confidence back to the consumer. Trump's going to bring gas prices down again. You know, gas prices were $2 a gallon when Trump was president. Today, they're almost $4 a gallon. That's just gas. I mean, you've got so many other cost factors associated with high energy costs. Folks, what we're seeing right now across the planet is pretty scary. But you know, the, the world is dying from sin. This is what we know. The planet is dying from sin. We know that where the planet, the world is cursed with sin, and the sin is killing the killing the world. The death by a thousand cuts is getting worse because it's expected to get worse. I mean, we got people running the planet, right? And you think about the the the, the people. We got unaccomplished people that are elected to high places of policy making and office making. These people have accomplished nothing in their life. They've never established themselves in a job and achieved nothing. I mean, Josh Shapiro is the governor of the state, and he's never tried a case. He's never tried a case as a lawyer, and he's never created a job or even held a job. He's not accomplished in anything, and he's the governor. He got John Fetterman, who's accomplished nothing. I mean, as a, he's accomplished nothing. He was a 40-year-old man living with his parents, okay? He was the mayor of some broken town in western PA. And again, who is he? He has a massive stroke. He gets elected. He gets elected senator and he beats a renowned heart surgeon that's incredibly brilliant and accomplished heart surgeon, Bevin Oz. Beat him. 
I mean, I don't, I don't understand why people would elect an unaccomplished person over an accomplished person. I don't get that. This is the upside down world we live in. This is what we see today. Accomplished people are frowned upon and unaccomplished people are, are elected to public office. I don't get it. I mean, you're hiring, you're hiring somebody to conduct surgery on a body who's never, who's never held a scalpel. Okay. That's the amazing thing, folks. Well, listen, we got to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for being with us today and uh, taking the time with us on our show. See you next week on The Watchmen. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.